If you ride down the highway, there's a billboard that now it's digital and it flashes certain pictures. If you go inside Kroger's or Tom Thumb and go to this billboard, you'll see a certain poster with a face, with names, and um, the offense committed. If you go to a police station, uh, you'll see the same thing up on a poster and and you'll see uh, the word, this sign where it says, most, most wanted. Uh, these people have committed some crime uh, against the state that now they are wanted. In case you didn't know, God has his own billboard. With God, unlike the state or the government that some would say wanted dead or alive, God only captures those who are dead. God's most wanted in pursuit of those who are dead, dead in their sins. Dead by living for themselves. Dead by being under the rule and dominion of Satan. But God has an APB out on those who are dead in their sins. It doesn't take long for you to read the Bible and to see after Genesis chapter 3, God himself pursues man. He pursues the dead, those dead because of the sin of their father, Adam. But because they are dead to him does not mean that God does not want them. God sent one out on Adam and Eve. He had one for Abraham and Joseph. I mean, if you just search the scripture, what you see is God on a mission. A mission. This mission, this mission, it, it points to God's just and loving purpose for the world, for all of his children. A purpose, here it is, to draw all humankind into the communion of God, the Holy Trinity. God has an APB. Some call it a bolo. Be on the lookout for those who are dead in their sins. Omni, about 16 months ago, uh, in August 21st, I announced that God it wasn't that Omni had a mission, but that God, but, but that God had a church to help fulfill his mission. We didn't come up with some brand new ideal. No, God said, I want to include you into my invitation to be on the lookout for those who are dead to me 
and alive in their sins. I described who was to be doing this and how. Uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, he actually paraphrases Peter well by saying this. You, but you are the chosen ones, the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. That's who we are. What are we doing? God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. In the words of my brother Ken Latchum, Amen. <laughs> Omni. God has put a burden, an ache pain in my heart, in our hearts for humankind. Male, female, young or old, of all ethnicities, backgrounds and cultures and classes. He's put an ache and a burden for us. He's invited us to join his mission, to do his work for his glory. And as a matter of fact, he's put his spiritual cops in various places saying, I got an APB on your neighbor, on your coworker. Will you please join me in my mission to reconcile man, but also to help renew my creation? Omni, that's our mission. It's nothing new. It's that God has put this, uh, he's put this ache, this pain, this burden in your heart to be on the lookout for those that God are pursuing because they've sinned against him and he still wants him, them. He still desires to redeem, to restore, to reconcile, and to bring them into right fellowship with him that they might enjoy God, make disciples, and share his love. To all. Today in Luke 5, we're going to peep into the writings of Luke, this physician, this guy who was discipled, mentored by Paul himself. He's a great historian. As a matter of fact, Luke and Acts, those two books, like, like Luke, a Gentile author, he's the only Gentile author. And yet, his writings, his, he wrote more than Paul when you put them all combined. His writings, the Luke and Acts, those two books, make up, they make up most of 
the New Testament. Luke has this this angst to show how Jesus Christ did not just come for Jews, but he came for all mankind. Luke has has this angst for those who are underprivileged. Unlike Matthew, Mark, and John, he's he's writing to those who may feel like Jesus didn't die for you, but I'm writing you to tell you he did. In Luke chapter 1 and 2, he writes the most about about the birth and upbringing of Jesus. In Luke chapter 3, we see, we, we see the baptism of Christ, and, we, uh, uh, and, and then we see his, his genealogy. And in Luke chapter 4, we see his temptation and him announcing himself as the coming Messiah, coupled with a couple of miracles. And in Luke chapter 5, Jesus revisits Peter, John, and his boys once again to remind them of the greater call that he himself purposed them with. So let me read for you Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Now, well, now, now we're going to see three things that we must be about if we're going to continue this mission that God has set before us, Omni, to do his work. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 3 reads this, reads this way. On the occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear, to hear the word of God, they were standing by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw, Christ saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nests. They had given up. They, have, they, they had called it a night. <laughs> Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him, Simon, to put out a little from the land. And he sat, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, this is the setting of the catch. But there's something great happening in, this, in the setting of this great catch that's about to happen. The crowd is, looks as on this occasion, they were pressing in to hear, to pay attention, to receive, to understand what Christ himself was going to reveal about what his father had told them. They were pressing like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea is they were literally on each other. They were, they were, they were urgently trying to, to hear what the Lord had to say. That the, the, they didn't let a crowd stop them from pressing in and or stepping on each other to hear what Christ himself had to say. Maybe you're asking, what's, what's, what's the deal? Why? Why that? Why are they pressing in? Well, if you go back to Luke chapter four, it says that Christ was anointed. That, that, that Christ preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. That God Himself had actually anointed Him 
to, to proclaim the good news to those who are needed. Now, now Christ preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. Side note, in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Don't freak out. Christ depended upon the Spirit to preach the gospel. Let me tell you why. This demonstration, it actually means to prove. It means to give evidence to. It means to make sure that everything is fact, factual. In a sense, it is knowing and proving something as fact and true. Get this. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is now leaning on the Spirit as he's proclaiming to to. And he said, hey, man, will you please, Spirit, help them? Will you please convince them of what I'm saying from my Father is true? He's preaching, not worried about trying to prove his teachings. That was the job of the Spirit to bring to fact, to, to prove and to manifest hey, man, that what he is saying is true. That's that's good news. Because when you are trying to learn God's word or when you're trying to teach God's word, it's not on you to convince anybody. That's the job of the spirit. To, 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 to inform them that what he or she is saying, hey, 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 that's true. That's true. That I'm going to manage, I, I'm going to, it's his job to prove that what we are saying about God, uh, about Christ, is true. Your intellect can't do that. I don't care how many degrees you got. You cannot, you cannot put confidence in God and nobody. That's the work. You, there's no Greek, there's no Hebrew, there's no Latin that can convince me that God, that, that Christ, that, that, that this man is God. It's, that's the Spirit's work to prove that. Now that, and yet we go into our own personal time trying to rely on us to understand God's word. That's not your job. How many times when you read your Bible do you say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what this is saying? Many of us, we assume we know. Because we read this book and this author. We read this dead guy and that dead guy. And I understand. Dead guys can't give you spiritual truths. Only the Spirit of God can. Christ is preaching. And the power of the Spirit, and the Spirit is doing its thing. Ah, you hear that? It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. But he, he also sat down and he taught them. This idea of this, this, this word teach, two things come to mind knowledge and skill. He was teaching them about who God was. And giving them the skills on how to achieve God's will. Knowledge and skill. Let me show you what, what it is and how to do it. 
a degree can't equip you. Let me tell you what it equips you. Because you ask, I see you asking the question. Well, what does? Paul says all scripture is all scripture is breathed by God and it's profitable. It's to your benefit for teaching and correction and, uh, and, and rebuke and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work of God. What makes one qualified for ministry. What furnishes a man or woman to do the work of God? The word of God. There are people who have went to no seminary, but they've had their heart bent on knowing God, serving God, and wanting to share his word with others. Ask John Bunyan. No education. <laughs> but he wanted to know God. He learned how to read through reading the Bible. Had no education. But go read Pickens Pride. And tell me if that writing does not blow your mind. An unlearned man, common man, had his heart set on learning God's word. And God taught him. If we're going to be about the mission of God, we need to be about the word of God because the Bible says that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word gives nourishment to our souls. It, 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 it actually renews our mind coupled with the spirit of God. The word and the spirit, it equips us to do his great and glorious work if we're going to be about God's missions. But not only should we be about pressing to hear God's word, we should also obey God's word. What it says here in, in uh, verses 5 through 6, on one occasion, uh, on, uh, uh, and when he had finished speaking, Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled, we worked ourselves to the bones, we worked ourselves tired all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and these nets were breaking. They signaled to, to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. This is, this is, this is, this is, it's crazy. Jesus was, was known to be a carpenter. Now, how are you going to come and tell a professional fisherman to drop down his net now when it's actually noon time. Now, Peter knew, man, hey, the best time to fish was nighttime. And we caught nothing. Now you're saying when sun is up, cast my net. Hey, man, you don't understand. I do this for a living. This is my profession. 
how I feed my kids and my wife. And yet you come telling me, go out a little further. Man, can you see Peter tired? Worn all night fishing, kept faith, caught nothing. And Christ says, amen. Can you just go out to the deep, the unknown? I love Peter's response. But that's your word. I will let down the nets. It was the obedience of Peter that put him in position to receive the blessing of the fish. C.S. Lewis says, obedience is the key that opens every door. But how do we obey without getting into legalism? Because it's such a strong and a negative word sometimes. Do you know how you overcome legalism? Doing to justify, doing to get, doing to prove yourself? One thing, you love the one who gives the command. You love the one that gives the command. Love is obedience out of love. Obedience from love. Obedience out of love. Enabled by the Spirit of God will prevent you from trying to do something to get from God and doing something because he is God. And when you are relying on the Spirit of God in all of this, it is he who is carrying you to obedience. Listen to what John says about the reward of obedience. He says, the test of love is obedience. And the reward of love itself is self-manifestation of Christ. The test of love is obedience. The, the reward of love is the self-manifestation of Christ. Y'all, here is the blessing. Here is the beauty of obedience. That whenever we obey God, empowered by the Spirit, the result is that we are being made more like Jesus. That's the reward. That every time I obey God in his word, whenever I humble myself, even when it doesn't make sense, here like Peter, you become more like Jesus over and over and over again. Obedience is a good thing. Peter obeyed, and it says here in verse 8 and 6 that the catch was too huge for even himself. There's a lot to say about this, about, about him obeying and God giving him more than enough. Peter, the literal Greek says that if Peter would have tried to hold on to this, to, to this catch himself, his, his, his boat would have went under. The blessing was that huge. So 
my point here is that when God blesses you, it never ends with you. It's supposed to, you are supposed to share in God's blessing. But this catch is it's a picture of something that we'll see in Acts 2 in a minute. Now, here's the catch. Now, Peter sees this catch, y'all, and he says this. But, but when Peter saw it, saw it that he has the catch, he fell, he literally fell down on his knees, prostrated himself, and said, Jesus, depart from me. I'm a sinner. <laughs> Jesus didn't bless him after he said that. He blessed him before he said that. So God's goodness was not predicated on Peter's faith or his confession. God's grace always precedes our repentance. God's goodness always precedes our gratefulness. God's blessing is not tied to you. It's tied to himself. But so, 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 so when Peter says, I'm a sinner, this is not, Peter is not talking about some individual sin. He's actually saying, I'm in the presence of God. I'm seeing the power of God. I'm seeing God in all of his holiness, just like Isaiah did, who said, woe is me, I am unclean. It is the goodness of God that should cause us to repent, y'all. When was the last time you said, woe is me because of God's bountifulness towards your life? His goodness should cause you to worship him. It should cause you to repent just because he's good. And every blessing of God comes with the presence of God. And we take them for granted. Peter didn't. He sees the fish and says, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve any of this. Jesus, depart, which actually means get out. Get out. I don't deserve this. Get, will you please leave my presence? And Jesus doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Peter and the boys, they're so astonished at the catch that he worships. He confesses. But look at what Jesus did, does in response to his confession. He casts a vision to Peter in verse 10b. He says, and Jesus said to Simon, Stop tripping. You're tripping, people. Stop, stop tripping. Because, boy, what I'm about to do with you, oh, this here is nothing. Oh, you impressed with some physical fish? Watch on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> Peter's going to preach one sermon, and 3,000 souls get saved. This here is a picture of what is to come. And y'all, here's what I love about Jesus. He comes on the scene and 
Peter has nothing. It's also a symbol of salvation. We come with nothing and Christ still steps in. We can offer him nothing for salvation. But he gives us everything in him. Peter is he's overwhelmed. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought the boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. And Habakkuk chapter 2, 14. What is the vision? What is God's mission? It is for him to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory as the waters covers the seas. How is God going to do that? How is the glory of God going to fill the earth to the point where it's like water covers the seas? It's going to be men catching men. And salvation, whenever someone comes to know and trust in Jesus, the reign and rule of God expands. Whenever someone confesses Christ as Lord and Savior and believes that God had raised them up from the dead, the rule, the kingdom of God enters into that person. They actually get a glimpse of the kingdom to come. Though imperfect on earth, they see what it's going to be like in its finality. I mean, whenever we share our faith, the kingdom of God expands. In case you didn't know, we have the best bait in the world. We have the strongest hook ever. Haven't you ever just studied the content of the gospel and you admit this is just too good to be true? So I come with nothing and he gives me the kingdom of God. I come with sin and he gives me his righteousness. He absolves all the wrath of God for me. I, I endure none of that. So what's, what's the catch? The gospel? The gospel is meant to catch men, not for us to simply conversate with each other over and over about how good it is. We know how good it is. We know how. There's many of us who just spend our time conversating about the gospel. Man, that's good stuff. Man, that's good stuff. Man, ooh, the gospel is really good. Oh, it's good. And you don't share it with anyone. The gospel is meant to catch. <laughs> it's so attractive. And then the hook is the Holy Spirit. While you are presenting the gospel, it's then the Spirit of God. I say, oh, do you hear that? Oh, do you hear that? Do you hear that? And he hooked. And Christ has never lost a catch. 
never lost the catch. Andrea, what are we doing with the bait? What are we doing with the gospel? This is a, another way of saying what Christ left in Matthew 28 about the Great Commission. It's just another way of saying that. But then, y'all, I don't want you to be focused, but I, I, maybe you're asking, well, how do I catch the fish? And what is the, what are the, what is the condition of the fish? Well, how do I do it? And what's their condition? Well, Peter, with uh, Paul, lets you in on how to catch them and their condition. Second Peter, I mean, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 says, The Lord's servant, I'm going to say today, fisherman for our purposes, must not quarrel. We can't argue over the gospel. We can't argue over the word. But we must be gentle to some people. To those you like, those who are your friends, those who are your buddies, to that boss that gave you a promotion all, all the time, that always gives you a raise, to, to that nice neighbor next door to you. No, 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 no. How am I going to catch fish? I must be gentle to everyone, able then to instruct them. I got to teach them. I got to present the gospel in a way, trusting the spirit of God that this meal, man, what this bait I'm about to, man, tell you about, it's going to blow your mind. And the spirit of God is going to hook you. Then he says, impatient. You can't argue. Got to be gentle. Got to be able to instruct. Got to be patient. Instructing his opponents, that is God's opponents, with gentleness. Why should I be kind to someone who's arguing with me, who don't, who don't agree with me? He says, perhaps God <laughs> will grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses. And here it is. And escape the trap of the devil who has taken them to do, or has taken them captive to do his will. You and I know people around us who've been taken captive by Satan. They're doing his will. Can I ask you a question? How are you treating them? How are you talking to them? How are you making the gospel attractive by your life and love for them? In order to do this, he says, you got to give, you got to be willing to catch all men. Then you need to forsake all, give it all up, and then follow me. Here's the mission. 
we are about to catch men. Here's what I require of you, to leave everything and then follow me. Why? Because as you follow me and you know what the goal is to, to catch men and you're giving everything up for me, I'm going to lead you. You know, on a boat these days, they, they got this machine where they know where the fish are biting. They got the machine, and it's cheating. Y'all, they be cheating. They be, I, mean, I mean, it's like, man, can you just fish like a real fisherman? I mean, if you catch nothing, that's fine. Stop, stop cheating. Stop, stop cheating. But now they, they got the machine, and, and they know where to go, and, and they drop down their rod and reel, and bam, and bam, and bam, and bam. It's, it's, it's cheating. Jesus said this. We're about to catch men. We're about to do this. But I need you to give up your, your, your convenience, your schedule, your preference. I need you to give it all up for me. Because as you follow me, I'm going to tell you, he's biting, she's biting, he's biting, she's biting on your neighborhood at Walmart. And the mall, at your job, they are biting. They're biting and they're biting. But, but, but you won't give up your schedule for me. You have not left all for me yet. You still want your convenience and comfort while catching men for me. You cannot do that. You can't. There's no convenience and catching men for God who are ensnared by, by, the, by the enemy. There are many ways, there are various ways that we can catch fish. We can do outreach events, pass out tracts, do one-on-one witnessing. We can do all of that. But then you can invite them into your house, in your living room. Lost people, sinners, gone, and ensnared by Satan. But you open up your house. You bring them to your kitchen table and you eat with them. You love them and you serve them. Why? Because my house belongs to him. My food belongs to him. My schedule is his schedule. Because when God saved you, when he told Peter, when he told the church, he's telling you now. I saved you. One of the aspects of this salvation is that we are going to save men and women together. Come. Omni. It's fishing season. God has some fish that he wants. And here's the truth. People reach people. People reach people. Tell your story, and I'm done. Jesus was a, and this is a, y'all, this is a fable story, so just be with me now, just, just bear with me. Christ, after he had ascended, met some angels. And the angels Asked him, hey man, did you finish your task? 
said, yeah. Went down, lived a perfect life, died in atoning death, got up from the grave, and it's done. I'm here. Glorified with my father. It's all done. They said, well, does everybody down, down in the world know you? He said, not yet. They asked him, so what's your plan? He said, well, uh, I had 12 men and a few more disciples. And uh, I left them to finish my task. They said, well, what if they don't finish the task? What's, what's, what, what does plan B? He said, there is no plan B. No plan B. That's not. He has entrusted us with the gospel of Jesus to catch men who don't know him, to take them out of the snares and traps of Satan. To be reconciled to him and to, and, to, and to know him. But guess who Christ has left to finish his task? Us. Us. And what are you doing with the task before you? Are you catching me? Are you willing to give up everything and to follow him while he leads you to catch us? Jesus Christ, I told you that people catch people. Here's what Jesus did for us. Jesus left everything. <laughs> Came out of glory. <laughs> they say, Became a man because men, men catch men. Live a perfect life. Heeded every word that the Father said, did everything that the Father had done for us, for salvation to be and shit because God knew that, 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 that the only person who could be the greatest missionary to be the example of what it takes to catch men was God himself. So God became man to reach men that we might follow his example. Now if Christ, if Christ left the glory of heaven, for us, what's so inconvenient for you that you won't join him with and on his mission? So, so Father God, we thank you that you have this mission, this, 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 to catch men, to make disciples of you and for you. 
You've given it to us that people are called, people are meant to reach people. God, you've, you've saved us to go to our schools, to go to where we work, play, and live, that we may catch men for your glory and for their eternal good. God, the gospel is not simply a conversational piece. It's a catching power. We thank you. That Jesus, you satisfied all the requirements. You became man, and yet you remain God. That you might save us. So we've all been saved by people, but because of you. How many, we've been called to make disciples. We've been called to catch men. We've been called to be a witness for him, not to be comfortable in these four walls, but he saved us that we might save others. He might use us that we might save others. So God, I just want to just give us time to, to just deal with, our, deal, with our, deal with our sins, God, and, to, and God, just for you to meet us right now. Have we spent our time with the gospel just conversing with others and not really following you and while catching men for you? Are we afraid? Because they don't look like us or talk like us. We don't have the same background, the same skin color, the same accent. What is stopping us from catching men when you promise to be with us while we are catching me. It's not, it's not like we are doing the work. We plant and you water and we, and, and we water, but you give the increase. It's the Spirit of God convincing them that the bait is true, that the bait is real, that the bait is good. Give us confidence. Give us a boldness this year to make it all about you. There is an APB ABP out on our neighbors and our neighborhoods with friends and family we know and you're saying they're dead to me now but if you share the gospel and the spirit of God works in them in such a way where they are regenerated. My foe has become my friend. And I invited you into this mission to draw all humankind into the communion of God with the Holy Spirit. So Father God, we thank you and God as we ready ourselves for communion I mean, that's, the communion is the fruit and source of mission. Those who come and partake of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, they've been apprehended by Christ. And now we get a chance to feast on Christ, to celebrate what he's done, what he's doing, 
and what he will do. The communion is, again, the source and fruit of the mission of God. So as you allow the Spirit of God to to work in you, to work through you, to bring up the sins and yet to point you to Jesus, don't come partake feeling guilty or shameful. Christ died for that. You've been apprehended (laughs) by God. And this meal is a reminder that things are still good with you and him because of Jesus. So as the Spirit of God leads you, please come. And also, we, want, we always connect our giving to Christ. So, and also think about how good he's been to you. And my prayer is that, he is that, that, that your offering, it would be out of gratefulness for what he's already done for you. <laughs> It'll be a response of his goodness towards you. You can't earn it. You don't do that here. You simply receive it. And you respond and worship through giving. So as God leads you to come down, please do so.